Hello, welcome to the California Curio Collecting Patriots podcast. My name is Jake. With me, my co-host. Hello, my name is Sean. This episode, we're going to discuss Type 3 FFLs with COEs and various issues that we have with the state of California. Yeah. Now, both myself and my co-host Sean here do have Type 3 FFLs. And we do, unfortunately, live in the state of California. And because of this, we feel driven to be able to provide to you the information that may have been made unclear by our current government. And we would like to educate all of those who are willing to listen as to the current laws and statuses involving owning firearms in general and having a Type 3 FFL in this state. So let's begin. Sean, tell me, what is a Type 3 FFL? That's a very good question. A Type 3 FFL, also known as a Curio and Relic collecting license, what this allows you to do is to purchase any firearm that is 50 years or older or is considered a Curio and Relic firearm by the ATF and provided you live in a free state that is not California, have them shipped directly to your house without having to go to a gun store for a background check. Well, that sounds rather fantastic. Now, for a lot of you people out there who may be unfortunate enough to live in this state with us, it's taken quite an ordeal for us to earn our FFLs. Now, there are different types of FFLs available. But myself and my friend Sean here have chosen Type 3s, which, as he explained to you, is Curio and Relics Collecting. Now, as the years go on, guns get older, but the law stays the same, which means we are slowly creeping up on newer and newer firearms for collecting through the Type 3 FFL collecting process. So today, let's talk about the Type 3 FFL and what it means to have one. So, Sean, to get a Type 3 FFL, is what do you need to do to get one? So, in order to get your Type 3 FFL, you have to fill out an application with the ATF. It is a standard application for all types of FFLs, everything from I want to own a gun store to I want to make machine guns. For the Type 3 FFL, it's a lot easier. There's a lot less you need to fill out. All you need is to be a U.S. citizen, fill out the form, provide the $30 fee, and then send it into the ATF. You'll also be required to submit a letter to the sheriff of whatever county you live in, letting them know that, hey, FYI, I'm applying for a Type 3 FFL, If you need to get a hold of me for any reason for it, just let me know. Now, for the most part, these are generally just filed if they're ever looked at to begin with. Once you submit it, you will then have to wait while the ATF does an extremely extensive background check. Provided you pass it, which if you can buy a gun, you can pass it. They will then mail you your Type 3 FFL which needs to be renewed every three years. Now, with that FFL, 
for the state of California, you need to get a COE. So uh, would you like to discuss the process and nightmare of a COE? Sure. So as I just said, getting the O3FFL, pretty easy. Getting a COE is not. The first thing you need to get a COE is to have your FFL already. On the application for the COE, you're required to put down why you're getting it, as well as the FFL number that it will be tied to. To do that, you first need to be fingerprinted. This is required to be done at a live scan facility and can cost anywhere from $20 if you're lucky to about $100 if you're not. Once you do that, you will then submit all of that paperwork as well as a fee to the Department of Justice. This you can do digitally, thankfully, in which case they will then take about 30 days to decide if you can receive one, provided you did everything correct and they go through their background checks and they determine you're not a threat, you can have one, you can legally have this. You will get an email stating that you were approved and you can go through the DOJ portal to download a copy and print a copy of your COE. This needs to be renewed every year for $22. Now, every year. Now, that just sounds to me like a pain in the rear. So we have these FFLs. And we use them quite vigorously, especially during the lovely pandemic in which we were given a ton of money by our lovely corrupt governor. Now, I'm not here to say fact or fiction whether or not he is corrupt. However, I happen to know for a fact he's corrupt. I don't know of anyone else who kept their winery open when everyone else had to close. Now... This gentleman is making things harder and harder for everyone to own firearms in this state. So to get processed, to get your COE run through the state of California every year, seems like it's not going to happen half the time. Now, I happen to know for a fact that your COE has expired, hasn't it? My COE technically expires in a in a week, I'm still waiting to hear back on my new COE, which I applied for, uh, I think, two weeks ago. Okay. So, and you still haven't heard anything back? No. Generally, it takes about a month. So it's one of those things you have to be pretty on top of to be able to exercise the freedom in which you are entitled with this FFL. That is correct. Now, I, I do mention these freedoms. That you, uh, let's, let's see. Let's go over some of these freedoms that you get when you have a Type 3 FFL with a functioning COE. Let's see here. We have a nice list. So, with an FFL... And well, type three FFL specifically and a COE. You can order ammo online and have it shipped directly to your door without having to conduct the one dollar background check. 
uh, you can physically buy ammo out of state and bring it back into the state of California legally. You have no cooldown period on CNR firearm purchases, which CNR standing for Curio and Relic, which means if you would like to buy three Enfields in a row, you can. And there's no 10-day waiting period. That's the best part. If I walked into a gun store and saw one sitting there, I could go, hey, I want that. And that's exactly what I did. I went into a local gun store to my region, found a Lee Enfield, and said, hey, I don't have one of those yet. I'd like to have one. I heard they're quite nice. Found one on the shelf, grabbed it, said, I'll take this. Two days later, I came back to that same gun store to pick up some ammo for it. And there was a Ruger Blackhawk sitting on the shelf. And I thought, well, I'll have me one of them too. And guess what? I walked out of the store with them both each individual day. Because with that no cooldown period, as long as you can provide your documentation to the gun store, you walk out that same day with that firearm. And that's something you could definitely say is worth this rigmarole of getting an FFL Type 3 and a COE. Wouldn't you say? Uh, I would. Another interesting aspect is I know a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, it's just only CNR firearms that are exempt from this whole 1 in 30 rule that we have in California, which... For those who are lucky to not live in California and like guns, the 1 in 30 rule is this thing that the the state government enacted to limit how many guns you can buy, which on the one hand is nice on our wallets, but on the other hand is still an infringement. For example, you go into a gun store, you see two handguns. You can only buy one of them and then go back 30 days later and buy the and buy the second one. Now, that's not a very cool deal, if you ask me. No. Because, uh, because of that rule, I almost missed out on purchasing a really cool firearm. Yeah. Because at the time, I was purchasing an M44. For those of you who do not know, it is a shortened version of a Mosin Nagat 9130 with a bayonet attached to it. That swings out. Not much different otherwise. I was in the middle of purchasing this rifle and I was waiting my 10 days. This is before I had my FFL and COE. This is when you had just gotten yours and you were convincing me to do all the paperwork. And on the shelf showed up a Walter PPK, which in this state is incredibly rare to receive because in this state we have a very very ridiculous rule called the California roster of handguns. And we'll get into that on another date and time. It's also an infringement, a very illegal one, in my opinion. However, had one not been a rifle and one not been a handgun, that one in 30 rule would have applied. And I would have missed out on the opportunity to buy what was quickly becoming an extinct firearm to purchase either direction true and as if that was not bad enough the government has now also enacted that any semi-automatic centerfire 
Wangun is now also counts for the 1 in 30 rule. So say you go in and you decide, I want to buy this handgun and that AR-15, because why not? Well, they're going to look at you and say, okay, you can have the, buy the handgun or you can buy the AR-15, but we cannot sell you both. Well, luckily we have FFL Type 3s with COEs, which means providing they're 50 years or older, we walk out with both of them. Yeah. And a very sore wallet. <laughs> exactly. The other caveat, though, is that with the O3 FFL and the COE, we don't have to do the 1 in 30 rule. That's right. That's one of those lovely rules that can be skirted with this FFL. Exactly. Uh, I mean, there's and there's so much more that we could actually do, depending on if you want to do transactions with a firearms dealer. Where I'm at, there's actually quite a very nice gentleman who runs uh, a firearm store, and he has offered to me the ability to be able to ship firearms to his destination, and I, he lets me pick them up for free if necessary. And providing you know someone at your local gun store and you're cool with them, and they happen to be nice people, you might be able to work out such a deal with them as well. Because depending on the dealer, you can ship CNR long guns to your house. You can have them ship from out of state to a local gun store and pick them up locally if you don't feel safe having them sent directly to your home. Which in this day and age, I don't feel safe doing with all the information that's being leaked on legal gun owners. I, I, I mean, they're going to leak your information no matter what if they can get a hold of it. But it would be nice to make sure you don't have anything mailed directly to your home. That is and true. Just, yeah, and just kind of go on ahead and send it to a local gun store and then have just pick it up from them. And it's it's a fantastic situation. It these things, <laughs> it, it it might seem like a lot to do to fill out an FFL three in triplicate and sending it away to God knows a sheriff. You got to send one to California. You got to send one to the federal government. You got to go get your COE after that, which good luck finding a place that'll do your fingerprinting and not break your wrists. Like you're some sort of criminal. And once you get all your ducks in a row and California has granted you their blessing of you may own firearms and not have to do our ridiculous rules. It seems to be well worth it. It really does. Now, unfortunately, there are certain things that uh, an FFL Type 3 with a COE cannot do. For instance, shipping CNR handguns to your house. Handguns have to be sent to type one ffl unfortunately meaning that you can have it sent to like i said if you're in cahoots with a nice man who owns a gun store in your local area and you can go hey can i have this sent down here to you he'll go absolutely because i believe in freedom and then you're able to go and pick it up from them now unfortunately anything newer then the specified 50-year mark for an FFL Type 3, you have no say in any of it, which means 
if it's newer than 50 years old, you're going to have to do cool down periods, the 10 day wait. You're going to have to pass the local background checks. You're going to fill out all the paperwork for it. You can't just walk out of there the same day with it. So unfortunately, if you wanted to get that AR-15, you're going to have to go through the background checks. You're going to have to do the same thing that the standard jerk has to do, which is unfortunate. However, you know, we're coming up on getting these, uh, these PTRs, you know, we're, we're coming up on some Vietnam era ammunition and weapons. And uh, last I checked, Biden hasn't put a restriction on that. So it's true. That, that would be definitely something to keep in mind coming up in the following years. I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, you can get me a, a, a set me version of a PTR, which would be fantastic, which is, I mean, you know, you, you're not settling for, you know, the scraps that are left behind. When, uh, oh God, what, what was the market like when we started this? Do you remember? I know... As far as collecting goes, especially for you, you came in when the Mosins were, they were no longer $80 anymore. You couldn't go to Big Five and say, hey, I want a Mosin the Gaunt for, you know, $80 and it come with the bayonet and on the sling and all the pouches and everything. You know, you couldn't go in and say, oh, I want, you know, go in and they'd have a huge section of guns that were all old, all had wood stocks. Unfortunately, we didn't start at that point. We were long after that. Yeah, that's right. When uh, I've been lucky enough to live in an area that is full (laughs) of freedom-loving individuals that are surrounded by the liberal mass that believes in giving up handguns and rifles. So I've had a lot of luck with finding some, uh, some curios and relics that have been given up by descendants. Uh, usually in most of my firearm cases, uh, anything that I've had an interest in usually shows up because some gentleman has passed away and left all of his rifles to his kids or grandkids. And they happen to be bleeding heart, Bernie Sanders supporters or just liberals and communists in general. And they like to just take them to the gun store and go, I don't want to give me whatever you think it's worth. And the gun store smiles and goes, cool, here's 300 bucks for all 60 rifles. And later you come in and go, Hey, check it out. There's a Mosin here for 350 bucks. Oh, look at over here. Here's a Swiss straight pool. That one's 800 bucks, you know? And it, it's gotten to the point to where these firearms are becoming so rare because the only people who are giving them up are people who usually don't believe in firearms or they're getting to that age where they know they can't fire them safely anymore and they sadly have to give them up. And they know that they can't just pass them on. So if I'm correct, there's actually not even an inheritance law anymore for that. He, he, he would, the people would have to uh, go into a gun store and transfer over ownership properly, like you would any other firearm, wouldn't they? 
No, there is still inheritance law. Um, it just has to be either to a direct spouse, direct child, or direct grandchild. Oh, okay. And then you fill out a form with the DOJ. I think it's an interstate form. Uh, you fill that out, submit that to the DOJ with, I think it's like a $19 fee, and you can just take it. <laughs> wow. There's still some things that are decent in the state, I guess. <laughs> Provi <laughs> providing they don't die first. So we've discussed with you what a type three FFL is, what a COE is. Uh, we've kind of lightly touched on how you would achieve them. Anyone who may have any questions, feel free to hit us up. Uh, you can contact us through any of our forms of media and you can, you can contact us at any time and we'll be able to try to help you guys out. We believe in having the freedom to bear arms and not be restricted the way the government thinks you should be restricted. And by thinks you should be restricted, I mean the actual thought process, not legal process. Because if they'd gone legally, we wouldn't have this rigmarole to have to go through in the first place. Now, let's do some uh, general chatting about firearms here. What do you think? All right. So, what is your thought on high-capacity magazines? Well, my main thought when it comes to um, to high-cap mags is mostly it's what comes with the gun. You know, I posted a picture on my private Facebook account a while back of a 30-round AR mag and a 10-round 1911 mag and stated that, yeah, you know, the 30-round AR mag, that's just a standard capacity magazine. The real high-cap mag was the 10-round 1911 magazine, uh, which for anyone who's listening that has a 1911, don't buy them. They're, they don't feed all that well. But as far as for even with, you know, an O3 FFL and collectors, you know, for here, if you want to buy a uh, M1 carbine, well, they come with 15-round magazines. So... Either A, they just won't ship it to us because, oh, well, it has a high-capacity magazine, so we can't ship it to California, so we're not even going to ship the gun to California. Or they'll say, okay, I will ship it, but we're going to not ship the magazine. Uh, we're not going to knock any of the price off. Uh, in fact, we may upcharge the price because now we have to actually do something. And, oh, yeah, by the way, we have, like, some polymer 10-round P-Mag that you can buy in its place, and we'll sell that to you at a markup. And that markup is not a low one, either. No, it is not. I have an H&K 40 USP, meaning 40 Smith & Wesson is what it shoots. Now... Originally, this gun came with a, if I'm correct, the capability of holding 13 rounds. 12 in the magazine, one in the chamber. Now, to purchase that magazine, when I last did the check, 
was during Freedom Week, <laughs> where uh, we attempted to find what we could in very, very, very short notice. And despite our best efforts, we could find nothing that hadn't already been sold. Now, I did find pricing for these magazines at $7 a piece. For an HK40 USP, it was $7 a magazine. I'm pretty sure today they probably went up to about 10 or 11 with inflation, you know, being what that is. However, the 10-round California compliant version, take a guess how much that was. Hmm, I'm going to guess um, $50. Uh, $70. $70 for a piece of plastic that holds two rounds less. That's it. Two rounds. Why would I pay that difference? Now, I happen to be a firm believer in what the gun comes with is what is standard. What it was designed with is what is standard. Now, there are those out there that'll say, I don't think you need more than 10 rounds. And in, honest, in all honesty, for a handgun, you don't need more than 10 rounds. If you need more than 10 rounds in a handgun, you need a rifle in your hands. That's just a fact. If someone is trying to break it, if you have a need for more than 10 rounds for someone breaking into your home, you either have terrible aim or you should have had a rifle. <laughs> now, most handguns are made with equivalent to sometimes more than 10 rounds. I only own one gun. I, you know what? Let me rephrase that. I own two guns that can hold 10 or more rounds. And these are guns that mankind has relied on since World War I. Now, do I own rifles that hold more than 10 rounds? You're damn right I do. Because if the government comes a-knocking, I'm going to respond with the equivalent to what they have. And that's what the Second Amendment's truly about. Making sure that we can hold back the government that can want to keep us down. Now, how many, how many firearms do you own that are able to... Take magazines that are higher than 10 rounds. As of current, four. We, and we own a lot of guns. <laughs> we do. <laughs> so high-capacity magazines don't really apply to a Type 3 FFL. Which is one of the nicer things because people who do these Type 3 FFLs are people who like to collect cool, collectible, historical, special firearms. Now, there are those out there that say, if you have less than 10 rounds, you're a communist. You know what? I think those people are sorely mistaken because they clearly have never held anything more than an AR-15. Have you ever held a real firearm? Like, I don't know, a 30 six, 
with a 30 round magazine? Nope, only 30 out of 6 I have holds 5 rounds. Now, I've had the fortune of coming across a PTR that is chambered in 30 out 6. And it was quite nice. Another friend of mine happens to have one that is chambered in 308. 308 is a very big round. Now, to have a high capacity quote unquote magazine in that rifle, that's a lot of weight. Those guns weigh a lot. And my buddy pulled out this thing. He handed it to me like it was like, I mean, granted, he'd been lifting this thing all, you know, he's ex-Marine. He's been playing with these things as most his life. He handed it to me like it was a, a beaten stick. And I grabbed the thing. I couldn't believe the weight of it. Mostly because he's got it completely tricked out with lights and optics. This thing is not California compliant. But then again, he also isn't from California. <laughs> So the weight of this thing alone, I thought, dude, if you're not shooting prone, if you're standing there at a range, your arms are going to get tired after a while if you're not used to this thing. Well, I never really got to experience that up until that day. And I think that's one of the things a lot of people don't anticipate. They think that they, that they need these high capacity, quote unquote, magazines. They're just standard capacity in, in our books for their ARs because they shoot such a small, lightweight ammo. They feel they should be able to have the capacity for them. And they should if the, if the rifle was designed for that. If it wasn't, well, guess what? I've got guns a lot scarier than an AR-15, and they don't hold 10 rounds, which makes them completely California compliant. Now. As far as an AR goes, I I don't understand why everyone rushes to buy these things. Uh, I think it's in support of them, personally. Uh, they want to get them before they're gone, I'm sure, because they think that one side of the government can automatically just take your guns away. I, I don't know why people panic buy the way they do, which, oh. This pandemic was something else when it came to panic buying, wasn't it? Uh, we could do an entire diff separate episode on panic <laughs> buying, even from before the damn pandemic. Oh, I, re yeah. I remember when twenty-two long rifle was like impossible to find. That led to insanity. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely something. Like, 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 I'll, I'll say this, and then we'll move on from panic buying. Because again, we can do a whole episode just on panic buying and the stupidity we saw during the pandemic, the hilariousness we saw during the pandemic. But I, I what really sticks with me when it comes to panic buying was a video from 2013. This was back when you could not find 22 long rifle. And if you found a box, it was like $20 for 50 rounds. Ugh. There was a guy who he was there. And I found this video long after because I was looking up a uh, 22 Magnum because I just bought a 22 Magnum revolver. 
And he was like, talking about like, oh yeah, so I was at the went to you know a gun store about fifty miles from where I live, and so they had this uh, one box of twenty two long rifles, so I bought that. They had these three boxes of the twenty two Hornet, so I bought that. And they have this box of uh, 22 Magnum. I don't know what that is. I'll probably never buy a gun for it. But you know what? I bought it because I'd rather have it than someone else have it. That is the level of panic buying that I'm sorry. Go f*** yourself. You know, I absolutely loved the panic buying. I found it to be a great source of comedy. It um, was. Like, sitting at a Walmart parking lot, the things you will see are just beyond reality. I went into a Turner's in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, we are smack dab in the middle of a pandemic. Mask on. You gotta be 100 yards away from the nearest person. And everyone's scared to be outdoors. They're all standing in line at Turner's to buy the same ammo. Everyone wants 223 and 556. If they didn't want that, then they wanted nine millimeter. And I'm walking in there going, you know, you, you take a ticket and they go, what are you here for? And I go, I'm here to buy some ammo. They said, we don't have any ammo. I said, I see ammo behind the counter. They said, we don't have any ammo. We don't have any nine. We don't have two, two, three or five, five, six. I said, I don't want that. I'm here to buy the Soviet that collects dust in the background. Oh, when they smiled so big when they realized I came in to fulfill their dreams of removing an entire shelf for them. Simply because they had six other shelves in the back. <laughs> they were happy to get rid of a shelf of 7.62 by 54. <laughs> they were happy to get rid of a shelf of 7.62 by 39. And they were delighted to finally get rid of that box of Makarov ammo. <laughs> when I walked into these places and all these people are standing there going, I want ammo, I want ammo, and there's none to be had. And here comes this guy who walks up, there's no background check, goes, I'll take seven boxes, seven boxes, seven boxes. Why? Because I didn't have to stop shooting during the pandemic because my ammo was readily available. Let's pause for a moment and reflect on the foresight here <laughs> that we now have in or the hindsight that we have of what a mistake it was to just randomly shoot that ammo today oh yeah so i go up and get these boxes and these guys are putting boxes together for me just random ammo throwing it in there and what do they put it in the boxes they had in the back which happened to say oh you're buying this nine mil that you're buying, you know, nine by 18, not nine by 19. Okay. That's fine. But we're going to put it in a box that says nine millimeter. And then we're going to have you parade it across the store and not die. <laughs> he handed me this box that said nine millimeter on it. And I swear to you, so many people lost their minds. I almost incited a riot inside of a Turner's. And the guy goes, where'd you get that? How come he's buying all the ammo? Do you need to sell me some of that? And I go, whoa, dude, you don't want this. This is not going to go through your Glock. Get the hell away from me. This is Soviet. You don't want this. And he goes, I, I'm not an idiot. I can read the box. And I said, then you're obviously an idiot because you judge a book by its cover or a box by its label. 
And I'm not joking. The store guys had to rush me out of there and they almost had me go out the back, but they pushed me out the front door and had to calm everyone down and show them the ammo that I purchased. One guy, <laughs> one guy said he wanted to buy that ammo because he knew it would work in his gun because all nine millimeter is the same. Well, they sold him a few boxes of nine by 18 and I'm pretty sure his Glock doesn't work anymore. <laughs> If he's lucky, once it didn't want to chamber, he didn't force it to chamber. I'm sure he did because he seemed like the intelligent type who would. And on that note, this has been an episode of the California Curio Collecting Patriots podcast. Here's a brief preview of what is to come in our next episode. So as we all know, if we've been following the news, the Supreme Court has issued a ruling which had groundbreaking effects on every 2A case that they had going. So we'll be covering those and also doing some more of the general discussion where we just spitball ideas and talk about firearms in general. Doesn't that just sound like a great time? It does. <laughs> well, we look forward to hearing from you folks out there, and we definitely look forward to creating another podcast for you. Let us know how we're doing. Give us some hints, tips, tricks, and even some, well, nasty comments, I guess. Well, thank you, folks, for listening to the California Curio Collecting Patriots podcast. We'll see you next time. Please feel free to like and subscribe to the California Curio Collecting Patriots podcast on YouTube. Also, feel free to like the podcast on Facebook at the California Curio Collecting Patriots podcast, where information on new episode postings will be made. Likewise, feel free to bookmark www.CaliforniaCurioCollectingPatriots.com to get access to Podbean, where you can subscribe to receive updates as soon as they go live. This has been an Arceo Productions podcast.